Welcome to another edition of the Proclaim Cuba podcast on mission. This show gives people the opportunity to tell the stories related to the mission of Proclaim Cuba, and that is to bring Christ to Cuba and the nations. This show and this ministry is about people and the stories of God working in their life. Stories of faith in action, of inspiration, of connection, of hope despite all obstacles, and stories of the roles they play in the body of Christ. Hello, I'm your host, Andrew Wishmeyer, one of the team members here at Proclaim Cuba. Joining us today is Dr. Mark Terman, I'm happy to say, a longtime friend of Proclaim Cuba. He's the executive director of Denison Forum and senior contributor for leadership. Previously, he pastored four churches in Texas across 34 years, including 25 years as the founding pastor of Cross Point Church in McKinney, Texas. Welcome to the program. Uh, to Proclaim Cuba on Mission Podcast, Dr. Terman. Thanks for being here today. Hey, Andrew, good to be with you. It's an honor to be a part of this conversation and all that uh, we're trying to facilitate down in Cuba. It's just great to see what God is doing in that part of the world. Uh, thank you so much. That's uh, Mark has always been gracious to to be our MC. He's actually been our keynote speaker, so he's filled a lot of roles for us, and we sure appreciate his heart to uh, to help support us. So today we're here to talk about his trip to Cuba. Um, he's went back in 2019, and we'll let him talk about that. But first, let's start off with uh, having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, um, and any other details you'd like us to know. All right. Well, native Texan and uh, grew up in Tyler, about 120 miles to the east of Dallas, and uh, grew up actually in a large Roman Catholic family. And uh, then my family, when I was about 10 years old, dropped out of church and uh, didn't have much spiritual influence until I got into high school. And I uh, met a couple of guys that, uh, for some reason, God just started stirring questions in me. And these people that God put around me, they helped me understand uh, a lot of things about Jesus that I didn't know. I thought, kind of always thought that God was out there somewhere, but didn't really understand who Jesus was. And uh, one of them bought me a Bible, and uh, another, he, he and his family really embraced me and, and you know, around their dinner table answered a lot of questions that I had. And that ultimately led to me making a personal commitment to Christ when I was 17, uh, led me into a relationship with a really strong, healthy, biblically anchored church there in my town. And then when I was starting into college, felt like God called me in the ministry and didn't really have a framework for what that meant, but God just kind of led me along and uh, really felt called to be a local church pastor at that time. And so that led to, like I said, four churches and and then this adventure of helping plant a church in a Dallas suburb has been kind of my life's main work up until this time, I guess you'd say. And uh, But anyway, married my high school sweetheart. Judy and I have been together for 36 years in marriage. We have two grown children, uh, a daughter, 31, and a son, 27. Two great-grandchildren that are, uh, they're not my great-grandchildren, they are just great-grandchildren <laughs> in every way. And uh, just honored for the last 13 months to be working with uh, Jim Dennison at Dennison Ministries, uh, we're trying to help bring biblical perspective to all the cultures, uh, all the questions swirling around our, our culture, and also facilitating, trying to encourage pastors and believers uh, to just live their whole lives for the glory of God, and to do that locally, regionally, globally, biblically, and through their church family. So that's a mouthful, but that's kind of what we're all about. 
That is a mouthful. Wow. You, you fill many, many different roles uh, throughout these past years. So, so thanks for that. Um, we'll, uh, we'll start off with a little bit of, um, with all that you had going in your life, what was the, what was the thing that moved you to be interested in Cuba? It was really an invitation. Uh, another pastor friend of mine named Steve said, Hey, I want you to come have lunch with some folks that I know. Um, and just because I love Steve and know that he always has good things in mind, I was like, well, who doesn't want a free lunch? And so uh, went down to a lunch that was being hosted by Proclaim Cuba uh, and just heard initially what some of the work was. Uh, to be honest with you, our church and, uh, and in my experience, had many opportunities to do mission endeavors in a lot of different places. Uh, I've been to Belize. I've been to Honduras. Um, our church has been involved in Brazil, uh, and the churches I served in other places, you know, had their own connections to various places as well. Never even crossed my mind that there would be opportunities uh, as close to home as Cuba is. Uh, and it was generally my perspective that Cuba was a closed door because it was essentially a closed country and that there really wasn't even a reason to talk about it. Uh, because of the troubled history uh, going back 50, 60 years uh, as a communist country. And so nobody ever brought up the conversation or the opportunity that you could actually be doing meaningful things for the gospel in Cuba. So really that lunch was where I first learned about that and learned about the work of Proclaim Cuba. Uh, and then just this idea that it looks like God is opening a door uh, that maybe more of us could step through. That lunch uh, then basically facilitated the opportunity to go on a vision trip with a few other pastors to Cuba in uh, June, May, June of 2019, about nine months before the pandemic came, and uh, had a chance to just go and experience what the Cuban culture was all about and to discover what God is already doing there and what some of the opportunities might be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that 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 you were just had an invitation and and you went and said, "Okay, I'll I'll come and and check this out." And because uh, a friend asked you to come, so yeah. uh, I love that idea. It's just just kind of like the gospel too. Come and see, you know. Yeah. Come and see. Absolutely. So, uh, and there is a lot going on in Cuba. I've just returned from a, a vision trip with my church, uh, Hillside Community Church, and they. Uh, uh, they too, this was their first time down. Uh, I've had the privilege of going since 2004, but but uh, to just be able to introduce them to the incredible faithful followers uh, down in Cuba, who day in and day out, just uh, they work for the kingdom. They spread the gospel. They they care for people. They um, they do that in an amazing way. And it's very, very humbling to see how uh, they do that within their communities um, of, uh, of not much um, financial resources, right? Mm -hmm. They use whatever they have and they share whatever they have. And it's, uh, uh, it's very encouraging to see. And so, um, so that's great that, that Steve invited you and that you were able to hear about it and that you responded also and and your church, your, um, prior church, uh, cross point, still, a, a partner with us. And, and, uh, we look forward to continuing to, um, uh, have that partnership grow, uh, uh stronger as well. So, 
think back a few years because a lot's happened in those years, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> to 2019. Because I, I always like to ask people, um, you know, how did you feel as you prepared for that trip? If you can even, if you can remember that, because, you know, like you said, it's a, it, it seems like a closed country that we can't go there. There's some bad blood between our, our countries politically. And, and so, um, so how did you feel about that? Well, it was an interesting time getting ready, uh, Andrew, uh, with my extended family and with some of my friends. When I uh, told them I was going on a mission trip, they're like, oh, we've heard that before. But when I told them I was going to Cuba, it really, especially among my, uh, my siblings, I have seven uh, siblings, four sisters, three brothers. It really energized them because Cuba is just a fascinating mystery uh, especially I, I'm the youngest in my family or, or the second to the youngest. And my older siblings have an even deeper awareness of, of the history between our two countries and what that uh, has meant for so many decades. And so they were energized like I was like, oh, you can actually go there. And they have all of these kind of mythical ideas. And then they and then they were also somewhat concerned, like, is it really safe for you to go there? Um, because, you know, that that's the kind of place it sounds like if you go, you may not get to come back. And so there were some of those ideas. And then there was really a kind of an energized, even among people who are not uh, engaged uh, significantly in their faith, they were like, oh, please tell me when you come back. I want to know if I could go there because I would just love to go and see what that what that is all about because again their their idea was you just can't go and you know go but personally going into it i was like well i trust the people i'm going with so uh i feel pretty confident about my safety uh i thought it's going to be really hot because everything i've ever thought about cuba is it's really hot and they get hit by a lot of storms <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh so i was like yeah. I wonder what that's going to be. I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit disappointed we weren't going to Havana uh, because this trip just wasn't set up that way. And so I was curious, like, okay, well, what's the rest of it like if you're not going to be in the capital city? Um, but I was, it was really about curiosity. We'd heard about, you know, hey, they take, they take old cars and they just put them together and try to figure out how to make transportation work. You'll see a car that's half Chevrolet and half Buick or half, uh, you know, even half Ford. They just cobble things together. Uh, it'll be a community. It'll be a country with a lot of color because they're very much into uh, a, a Latino uh, vibrant kind of personality. So that all intrigued me. Um, and even while I was on my way there, you know, we did confront a storm when we were flying in and that created a little bit of excitement coming into the airport. So I wasn't completely wrong. Fortunately, we went at a time of year that wasn't really super hot. It was actually pretty mild and I was glad for that. Um, but it was, it was just a really a lot of curiosity uh, because you, you just think about certain um, hindrances and mythologies related to Cuba because it's so close to us, but has such a troubled political history and has essentially been 
uh, a no man's land in many ways for Americans, I think. And it's just like, well, we can go a lot of places. We can go all over uh, Central America. We can go to the Dominican Republic. We can go all over the Caribbean. We just can't go there. Has been kind of this general idea that I know I had and that I was running into with others. Yeah. And, uh, and that is right. You know, it used to be that you had to have a license from the state department and in order to go and, and things like that. And now they just require that you have, um, there's 12 different reasons why you can go to Cuba. None of them is tourism. Um, so, uh, it is easier to travel there. You don't need any special, special paperwork or anything to go. You just have to answer the questions when you return of why you were there. So it's a, it's a pretty simple process now, um, to be able to go, which is, which makes it, you know, easier for us to travel. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about your trip a little bit. You said you weren't in Havana. So um, let's do a little geography lesson, maybe about where you were. Um, uh, let's, let's go ahead and just uh, talk about how you how you got to where you were going. Yeah, so we, uh, we intentionally went to Cespedes, which, if my geography is right, it's kind of in the middle of the island. It is. Um, it is. But we went there uh in, in very intentional ways, because that's really the center of where Proclaim Cuba ministry originates from, uh, going out and stretching out in both directions across the entire island. It was our tremendous uh, privilege uh, to get to see kind of the home-based church of Proclaim Cuba uh, from a Cuban perspective there in Cespedes, and just uh, you know, kind of the highlights, you, you can't talk about the highlights of this experience without talking about Pastor Carlos and just what an incredible, unique kind of apostolic figure that he is for all that God is doing uh, or so much of what God is doing across the island of Cuba that he's had certainly many opportunities where he could have left many uh, uh, perhaps within the the government within other strata of of what Cuba is probably have wished that he would leave uh but he has chosen to continue to live his life there and to do his work there and and has just impact you know with impassioned uh, energy just built himself uh into this ministry and poured himself into this ministry and you see the fruit of it uh, so uh, our our vision trip was intentionally uh, to go there and to spend time with Pastor Carlos and to kind of see uh, the the ground zero, if you will, of what uh, Proclaim Cuba ministry looks like and how it stretches out from that center out into the rest of the of the island. And so that was really kind of the the purpose of it. Uh, if you want to talk about highlights. Um, one of the things that just thinking about that, that, that really struck me is just the, the joyful resilience of the Cuban people. Um, uh, I didn't find anybody that I met, uh, and even the kind of the vibe that you get from the street, these people are not full of self-pity. They don't have the sense that they are victims. Um, they know that uh, things are not good, and they know uh, in many ways kind of where they are as communities and as a country relative to the rest of the world. Um, that is to say that even with apparent great strides, Cuba cannot keep their people from knowing what's going on outside of Cuba. 
They they may have been better at it than others, but it's very hard to keep the internet <laughs> out of anywhere, right? Right. And so they kind of know uh, where things are relative to that, but they I I didn't sense anything about them that they felt like that they were victims. They were joyful, resilient, um, uh, dynamic people. And that was especially true when we started talking to people within their churches, uh, within their communities. Within, we visited a number of house churches in different places uh, extending out from Cespedes. Um, but I got to tell you, one, Andrew, one thing that just was astounding to me was the robust nature of not only the churches, but particularly the pastors and church leaders. Um, one particular meeting stands out, just getting to be in a room with about 20 of the, the leaders of both churches and seminary and women's ministry that are all uh, arms of Proclaim Cuba, and how these people were serious about what they were doing. They were joyful about what they were doing, but they were all in, and uh, they knew that they had problems, but it was just, you know what? With God's help, we will figure out what to do about that situation or about that need. Um, they, the, the commitment level was just impressive on all kinds of levels. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And, um, and I just got back from a trip myself and, and, uh, you know, that hasn't changed. Uh, they're, they're more, uh, invigorated than ever to, uh, continue the work of the, of the Lord there. And, um, even through all the difficulties and the challenges that they have with shortages and food and the blackouts and, and medications and, and things like that, they rely on the Lord, uh, for everything that they have. And that has produced, as as the word tells us, you know, that that has produced um, character in them, mm. right? And that character yeah. produces joy. And uh, and joy does not disappoint. And, and I see that. I saw that. You saw that. Um, yeah. That that, it just does not, that hope that they have does not disappoint, right? So, um, Oh, you mentioned, uh, you know, I, I always like to ask this question uh, about um, things that struck you, but I like the word surprised. Was there anything su surprising uh, about Cuba that you remember? Yeah, there's, you know, certainly uh, the the kinds of poverty that you mm. see um, uh, because of the very, very uh, comfortable and privileged lives that we live in the United States, um, we we just don't look into the raw face of severe poverty very often. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've had the experience. I, you know, I did mission work in uh, Mexico, just across the border. You know, you, we rode a bus through the city dump to get to the community where we were going to serve. And you just, you just don't know on a regular basis what's that, what that is like until you see it, until you walk around in it. And uh, seeing how these people uh, are required to, to scrape out an existence uh, in so many very fundamental ways. You, you were talking about that a minute ago. It kind of illustrates this thing that I heard years ago when I was a young Christian, this statement, you know, you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. <laughs> Um, but yeah. when you don't have uh, what you and I take for granted as just 
fundamental infrastructure, uh, water, and the opportunity to, to access food, uh, appropriate housing, uh, education for your children. Uh, we take all of those things for granted because we've been so blessed. But so many of those things are the day-to-day -day focus and necessary reality. Um, they don't they don't have a pantry full of food where they could essentially go to bed every night going, you know, there'll be something to eat tomorrow and the next day and next week. They'll always they don't have that, especially in the aftermath of of the covid reality. Um, you're, you're more back to that kind of first priority. OK, we have to figure out what we're going to eat, because if we don't focus on that, there won't there won't be anything when when we and the children are hungry. And if a storm comes, you know, what are we going to do to cover the front door? Because we don't have a front door right now. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and yeah. it's that it, it's maybe not the the most fundamental level of first world living, but it's not far from it for a lot of those people. Right. And it really is staggering um, when you see that. And when you realize over and over again, this is 90 miles off of the Florida coast. And, and, and it's, it's literally a stone's throw away from the most prosperous country in the world. And these people are, are struggling day in and day out for, like you said, for medicine, for, for things that you and I just, you know, we go down to the little urgent care center five minutes from our house and we get seen within an hour and we get an antibiotic and we're better within 18, 24 hours that, you know, you, you could get a, a, a basic infection in Cuba and it could become life-threatening because things are so scarce and, and it's, it's so hard in those ways and and it was just surprising to me. You just want to say, can't we figure out a way to make this better? Yeah. And make it better on a large scale. And so that was surprising to me. Like I said, the joy of the people was surprising to me. Uh, and their desire, um, their desire to do well and to see everyone do well. Um, and, and like I said, I just... They, they, there was nothing about these people that they were looking for a handout. And it, I, I think they've lived their lives so long, uh, even multi-generational going, you can't really expect anybody to come help. So we're not going to expect it. And so they don't have their, I didn't have any sense that they had their handout expecting anything. Right. Yeah. There's certainly, certainly not an expectation you certainly want to while you're there. You know, I'm just going to give a little plug for the trip that, that I went on to Mission Reagan. Uh, in fact, um, Mark, you uh, you connected us to them and they packed up uh, three 50 pound bags of medications and medical supplies and everything. They, they're in McKinney, Texas. If, if anybody needs any medical supplies, anything for any mission trip or even down to the individual level, if they mm -hmm. have it, they will give it to you. And it is an amazing ministry. And I was just so thankful for them. The the things that we were able to get at no cost to us will benefit 
hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and it's, it's just so fantastic to have uh, people with hearts like that, that, that take in um, donations from all the local hospitals and they distribute that out to anybody who has need. I mean, how wonderful is that? What a blessing. I mean, if ever yeah. the term blessing was, uh, was to apply, it would be to that ministry. So thank you, Mission Reagan, for doing that. Um, and look them up at missionreagan.org if, uh, if you need anything for your uh, mission trips. So Yeah, absolutely. Love Mission Reagan. Love, yeah. love that spirit and glad that we can make that connection. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's and one other thing, Andrew, just comes to mind is just um, these people's passion for the gospel. Um, you know, that starts with Pastor Carlos. And their desire, you know, they know that ultimately the most important thing in life is what the most important thing in life is, which is our relationship with God. And in that context, uh, people from all different aspects of their culture uh, have come to know Christ, and they are eager to help everybody around them to know Christ. And, uh, and they're willing to pay a cost for it, you know, relationally, socially. Uh, sometimes uh, politically, um, but they're like, look, this is the hope of this country. And, you know, the the passion, the joy, the innovation that they have to, ha to turn their homes into uh, micro churches and uh, to just bring people together, to invite their neighbors, to invite their community and to say, look, if you really want to have a living hope, it's going to come because of your relationship with God. And it was so apparent in the church leaders and in uh, in those churches that we visited. Like I said, most all of them were house churches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they might start with six people. It might turn into 12 people. It might turn into 20 people. Um, but, you, if, you know, as a friend of ours likes to say, it's like walking around in the book of Acts, <laughs> you know. Uh, this person finds Christ and then they tell their family and they tell their friends. And then that turns into two families and it turns into five families. And they just like, okay, well, how are we going to get together? And how are we going to learn about what Jesus is all about? How are we going to get the Bible in here? And how are we going to start sharing this with others and sharing it not only verbally, but tangibly, tan tangibly by sharing. If we've got, if we've got something that we can share with someone, that's material. We'll do that. If we can help them connect to resources, we'll do that. But we'll all do that in the context of we're motivated by our love for God because God has loved us in Christ. And that's what's driving us. That's what's motivating us. We'll be generous and we'll be gentle and we'll be kind and winsome because that's what God has done in our lives. Right. And that is kind of pervasive through everything that you're connected to when you're connected to what's going on at Proclaim Cuba on the island. It just, it really is pervasive and really, I think, emanates from Pastor Carlos and from his family and then from that core group of leaders around him who are extending ministry and leading ministry in so many different ways, whether that's ministry to, to young people, ministry to women, ministry to baseball players and soccer players and that type of thing. It just emanates out and radiates out in, in all of those ways. And it's like I said, it's both spiritual, it's verbal, it's relational, and it's also material. You know, it's like, how can we help you have whatever it is that you need?
Yeah, it's meeting needs. It really is. Um, you know, I could <laughs> when I brought some of these medications in, you know, that they'd been searching for, it just was like, you know, that's a definite material need there. But again, they do it, like you said, in the context of the idea that I'm here to to serve you, to help you, to introduce you to where real hope can be found. And that's just uh that's that motivating factor for them. And uh yeah. and you know, shouldn't that be for us as well? So, you know, I, I, my next question is about how you're different. I mean, I, I know that when I went for the first time, it was, it was about that. It was a, it was a motivating thing. It was a heart change in my mind. It's like, how can I go and serve other people where I live? That's fine that I go on the mission field and I want to do that because it changed me, but how, how am I different as a result of going and serving? Yeah. And, and I would say it's, it's been similar to other mission opportunities that I've had uh, to just see what God is doing in places that you thought, well, there couldn't be much of anything going on there for God. And to find out that that God is so far ahead of us and is so, uh, so much creatively and innovatively doing things in places that on the face of it, you might've thought were just spiritually dark and shut down that God is already moving in those places. Who knew that there was this guy named Carlos who God had just put this vision and passion on, who gave up so much, gave up the opportunity of being uh, either a national or even an international athlete, um, but gave his life to this so that God could be uh, helping. And Carlos would, I think, tell you very quickly, he's not the only one that God is using in the context of Cuba, but he is one of the ones that God is using to bring spiritual life and awakening to this part of the world. And who knew that was going on? It was going on a long time before any of us knew that it was going on, because God never abandons any place, right? Um, and he's always looking for that person who is willing and open, and just being encouraged by that, being uh, inspired that God works in those ways. And then to see that people are responsive, um, but then also being moved to a place of, of humility and compassion, like you, you just can't go into some of these places around the world. And anybody that's been on a mission trip uh, usually has this kind of experience. I know I have. It's like, gosh, how can I be more a part of what God is doing in these places? And how can I be more generous? How can I be more involved? And how can I encourage others to be involved in similar ways? And then, like you said, how can I be more involved in what God is doing right outside my front door? How can I do that in my neighborhood? Because the people around me may not be struggling materially like they do in places like Cuba or Mexico or Honduras, but they are in many ways struggling just as much spiritually. And so how could I follow in that same spirit and be and be joyful and be winsome and be aware, be looking around for saying, okay, God, what are the needs around me that you would want me to be a part of? How can I do that through my church? How can I do that uh, in my church? But how can I do that with my church and with my family and do that right where I live, right where I work? Uh, how can I bring everything that I'm doing as an opportunity to glorify God and to do good for others, especially uh, by bringing the gospel whenever those opportunities arrive. That, 
that mission trips just have the power to do that, right? Yeah. Because when you go somewhere, more than what you might see in a video or see in a photograph, when you're actually there, uh, you sense two things. You sense what God is doing in some ways, but you also sense what the need and the opportunities are. And you yeah. can bring back that same perspective to where you live every day. What does God what is God what is he already doing in this place? And then what are the opportunities and needs that he wants me to see and that he wants me to engage with? Because that's that's open to us every single day. Because the Holy Spirit is wanting to be active everywhere. That, that is that's so true. You know, that that focused time of service um that I found in my life where there there were, you know, when you go into a an international uh situation where you're removed from your day-to-day -day activities and things like that, where you're focused just on serving other people. And um, God does amazing things with that. I think, um, you know, again, he I can only speak from my experience, but I've also seen it work in in other people's lives, just the, sure. that that you, when you focus on the Lord, uh, he's always looking, uh, you know, for, for you to continue to do the works that he prepared to do for you. And when you finally say, oh yeah, Lord, here I am, send me. He uses that focused time of service to, um, to give you a new perspective, right? It's part yeah. of the transforming of your mind. It really is. And um, so we experience these um, uh, changes in our heart um, as we go about our service to the Lord and the body of Christ, both, both away from here and back in our own neighborhoods, um, because that's the way God designed it, right? He, he designed right. us yeah. uh, to to be working in our local communities, to be working in our cities, to be working in our nation, to be working to the ends of the earth, as he says. So all of these things are important to uh, a healthy and um, um, uh, just profitable blessing to other people uh, for the service and the work that he has you doing uh, for you, that he designed you to do, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're going to wrap up here with just a just a final question of uh, Mark. Again, you've been a, a friend of Proclaim Cuba for a long time. You you know the people now. Um, when somebody asks you, said you know Mark, you have a lot of different things that that you can support. Why why Proclaim Cuba? What is it about them that that you see uh, that makes you want to be a part of what they're doing? Well, I think it really goes back to my sense and understanding of who Pastor Carlos is. He is so committed and so anchored to Christ and to his word. And that is apparent not only in him, but in that circle of leaders right around him. You can you can sense it, you can feel it, you can hear it when you talk to them, uh, that they are Christ-focused, Christ-anchored, that they are biblically uh, committed. And so that it really starts there, that, that it has that kind of biblical New Testament integrity to it. Uh, and then the the next thing is is that it it, it kind of goes to that that Acts one eight strategy, uh, you know, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the, maybe this is part of what we might call our Samaria, mm -hmm. uh, if you will. But it is, you know, and I think we ought to be trying to work simultaneously in all of those categories, locally, regionally, globally, nationally, that type of thing. But this is so much just right in our backyard. And how could we overlook something that is right near us where God is at work and where the needs are so real? 
both the spiritual as well as the material uh, needs. Um, and, and I'm all for going anywhere and everywhere that God wants us to go, whether that's south, north, east, west, and going a long way as we can in our world. But we, we ought to be saying what's also right here close to us. And, and that's one of the most appealing things about this is that God has opened this door in the last uh, decade or so, decade or two, that, you know, what would it be like if we saw a, a, a nationwide awakening across the country of, of Cuba in our lifetime? Something that many of us just never even considered could be possible. Um, what would that be like? And is God opening a door? You know, there's this great verse in the Corinthian letter where Paul says, God has opened a great door of opportunity. And, and at the same time, he says, and there's much opposition or there are many enemies. And there are, there always are. But the main thing is there's a great door of opportunity. And I would just encourage people, pray about that. Think about that. Maybe this is one of those open doors of opportunity that, it's easy for you as an American to step into and to get involved with and to get your people involved with. And, and maybe this is a place that's not so far from us that is kind of, again, right in our backyard that God is saying, this is now a door that you can go through and proclaim Cuba is a good pathway to do that. And um, so those two reasons are really why it has captured my attention and my imagination. So that's wonderful. Um, thank you again for for just all of your um, insights and and reflections on your time in Cuba, and then also just about uh, serving uh, in the in the local area, which uh, I know you do every single day in your ministry. And we thank Denison Forum for uh, just their uh, support of us as well. And uh, so we encourage you to um, to always uh, be listening for uh, uh, for Mark and for. For Jim Dennison um, on their podcast, um, feel free to talk about that for a second, Mark. Yeah, so you can find us at denisonforum.org. Uh, we're best known for Dr. Dennison's daily article, which you can find that at denisonforum.org. You can also find it at just dailyarticle.org. Uh, Dr. Dennison writes uh, every day of the week about uh, things that are in the news and in the culture and how to understand them and engage with them from a biblical perspective. We also have uh, other resources. You'll find that on our website. We have resources for your devotional life called First 15. We have uh, resources around Christian parenting that churches and believers can engage with. We also have a Bible study arm called Foundations. Uh, so there's a lot there that might be useful to folks. And uh, we are big, big uh, supporters of Proclaim Cuba. Dr. Dennison's been to Cuba a number of times. Uh, he and Pastor Carlos are prayer partners, and uh, we are eager to see how God is going to continue to expand ministry there. Well, fantastic. Uh, we're, uh, we're so grateful. And uh, you can always find us at ProclaimCuba.org as well for more information about the things that are taking place within our ministry. Thank you again, Mark, for being here today, and may God bless you richly. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thank you for joining us on Mission Today. 
If you would like to know more about Proclaim Cuba or hear other stories like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Proclaim Cuba.